shatter the glass. Hey you guys, really happy to have you join me today under some odd circumstances. I am currently battling COVID right now, so if my voice sounds very hoarse and low, it's because I've been coughing my brains out for the last couple of days. And uh, yeah, it's my first boat with it, and I have to say, it's uh, not very fun. It's probably one of the worst colds, if not the worst cold I've had ever. I've had aches and chills, had a bad cough. Oh man, I feel like I can feel the baritone-ness of my voice. I feel like I could give uh, Sam Elliott, the king of all low voices, a run for his money. You can't tell me nothing. Well, that's my impression of Sam Elliott. I'm sure somebody could do it better. But this is as close as I'll get with all the phlegm in my throat. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to keep this super casual today, you know, because a lot's actually happened over the last week. And I'm recording this podcast episode on March 28th on a Monday at 2.23 p.m. And the Oscars just happened yesterday. And I'm sure everybody's aware of this now. Or literally the second it happened, it, got, it went viral. Will Smith did something absolutely outrageous on the Oscar stage on live TV yesterday. Chris Rock was hosting the Oscars. He's up there doing his monologue. You know, he's a comedian, right? He's making jokes here and there. And naturally, as a comedian, and especially if you're the host of the Oscars, you're going to be roasting some people within the room. That's just that's just how it goes. And uh, as everybody saw in the video, Chris is doing exactly that. And in that line of fire was Will Smith and his wife. And it turned into a absolute mind-blowing moment. Will Smith gets up to the stage and he slaps Chris Rock, you know, pretty forcefully right in the face. And it's funny, I, I wasn't even aware of this. Like, here's, I gotta be honest with you. I love my movies I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I don't watch movies. I watch movies. I, I love my actors and actresses. I have my favorite movies and TV shows out there. I watch TV. Okay? You got me. But. I, I honestly don't really have much time for Hollywood itself. I think that Hollywood's had too much of a hand in... In... In kind of telling the, the common folk what's good and bad for them they've had a lot of power and influence over the common folk and and society as a whole for years that i don't think is quite right and to be quite honest with you i i've been rammed on hollywood and their opinions for a long time or at least up to this point now and i'm gonna be quite honest with you I didn't even know the Oscars were happening yesterday. <clears throat> Excuse me. I didn't even know that the Oscars were going on yesterday. Until I get a text from my buddy Brem. 
he says, hey, did you see what happened at the Oscars? Did you see what Will Smith did? And I said, no. So, naturally, what do I do with my investigative journalism? Where's the first place you look for negativity? Boom, you go to Twitter. Whatever happened five minutes ago is already viral. So I see this unfiltered version cut of the video at the Oscars with Will Smith and Chris Rock. And I see him sock Chris Rock right in the face. And then, you know, that wasn't even necessarily the worst part, in my opinion. To me, the worst part was when he goes and sits down and he screams like a child and swears in front of all these people on national television. He just screams and swears at Chris Rock and it's just like, whoa. Ultimate cringe, man. And I can't believe that there are people actually online defending that. I understand, yeah, that, that was a bit of a touchy joke, because I know that um, Will Smith's wife had like some kind of medical condition going on, and that's kind of part of the joke Chris Rock was making with G.I. Jane and like her hairdo or something like that. So I understand that's a touchy joke, but for goodness sakes, it's, it's, it's comedy. It's what comedians do. And from what I hear, when you're sitting in the front row at the Oscars, and there's a comedian who's hosting the Oscars, you're kind of fair game to get roasted. Period. But at the end of the day, it's a joke. A joke does not warrant assault, no matter how over the line it is. You don't assault people. That's just nuts. Where are we at in society where we can't even take a joke now and... and, and risk being assaulted for, for even just saying a word on a stage. Where are we at at this point when we're doing stuff like that? I'd be concerned if I was a comedian now. Like, that paints such a bad picture. What, what, what really rubs me the wrong way with this is that, you know, Will Smith wasn't escorted out. He wasn't really scolded. He, I, I didn't, from what I saw, like, he, he was still there. And, and, and not too long after that incident... He literally goes back up on stage to accept his Oscar for King Richard. Deservedly so, because it was a good movie and he did a good job and he earned that award. But in light of what he just did before to Chris Rock and then goes back on stage like nothing happened, doesn't even acknowledge Chris Rock in his very hypocritical speech where he's crying, he's got the tears flowing and stuff on stage. And he's just pretty much on stage preaching love and family and, like, no violence and stuff like that. And it's like, dude, what did you just do however many minutes ago to Chris Rock? And now you're on stage, like, you're trying to, to milk it hard to get people on your side. I don't know, man. That rubbed me the wrong way in so many ways. I wasn't even, like I said, I wasn't even watching the Oscars because I couldn't care less. Actually, that's not true. I will say that I was happy to see Zack Snyder get a couple awards for uh, Army of the Dead and Justice League. So, I mean, good on him. He's one of my he's one of my most favorite directors out there. So, to to see like people I actually like get awards for their work, of co of course I like that. But 
Um, no, I just, I don't really have much of an interest to watch, but I think I share that view like millions and millions of others do. And they were drawn back into the Oscars yesterday for the same reasons that I was <laughs> to see this insane event happen between Will Smith and Chris Rock. And look, my whole point is this. Will Smith is a professional actor. He's been around the game for how long? He knows what's appropriate and what's not. If you had a problem with that joke even, which I could understand, why wouldn't you just talk to Chris Rock off air, off stage? Why would you literally get up on a stage on national television and have an absolute hissy fit like a 12-year-old on a school ground who stole your lunch money? Like, that was just poor, poor judgment and behavior by Will Smith. I know emotions run high. We just talked about this in our last episode, how in the heat of the moment, you should not be communicating things, or at least not be taking things so seriously in the heat of the moment when you're trying to communicate, because things are always going to get misconstrued. And in this case, with what we saw with Will Smith, he was absolutely boiled over. And he acted aggressively, very childishly. And that, sets, that sets a horrible example, especially for children watching that show. And like I said, even for comedians, like, how are the average fans going to react? I know most of us have a brain cell and realize, no, you don't hit people, but there are some crazy nuts out there that might look at that and say, hey, at the next show, that makes it okay for me to literally not only heckle a comedian, but walk up and hit him because I didn't like his joke. It sets a horrible precedent. These people from Hollywood trying to, you know, make their opinions heard and their and their perspectives known. You, yeah, you really gotta watch what you say if you're in that kind of power. That's an abuse of power right there on Will Smith's part. And to not crack down on that and have any consequences after what he did, like he literally sits back in his seat and then minutes later goes right back up there to accept his award and get love showered all over him. It's like, really? I don't know. That whole thing rubbed me the wrong way. I'm sure glad I didn't sit through the hours upon hours of that show watching the whole thing. But I watched all I needed to with that one clip, really. Props to Chris Rock, though. He he held his own. He could have just as easily reacted and got angry back and made the situation even worse. And then we could have had an even bigger problem on live TV. But no, as the host, he really held his own. And being a comedian, too, he knows how to handle a heated crowd, too, right? He knows how to take a joke and... If it goes A-wire, he, he kind of turns it another way so that the audience can react this way, and he kind of deflects it that way and just kind of diffuses the situation a little bit. But I give him props because he acted pretty professional in that whole thing. That looked like assault to me, but again, I'm not there to judge. I'm just telling you what I saw and what I made of it. And we're all human, we make mistakes, but uh, there, there's no 
No room for, for violence, ever. Violence is not the answer. Ever. Period. In any setting. Anyways, that's my little spiel on the current trending events in this world right now. The latest controversy, as I like to call it, because there seems to be something wrong every two seconds nowadays. Let's shift things to maybe a little bit of a lighter tone here, just to kind of end off this really short episode here. By the way, I'm really sorry if I'm like frightening anybody right now, because I know this is this is not my normal voice you're hearing, and if I sound like a demon, I, I am sorry if I'm scaring you right now. I am not a demon. I'm human. I still have my soul. I'm flesh and blood still, so just take ease in knowing that it's still Zane Thomas you're listening to. I just have a really congested throat and head right now. I've been cooped up at home for a couple days now, and when you really can't do anything else, you, you find new things to, to occupy your time. I used to be a really heavy video gamer when I was a kid. When I got brand new video games for Christmas or for my birthday, I'd be downstairs playing that thing all day until I couldn't play it anymore because I got bored of it eventually over time. But there was that period of time where I would have a, a dedicated length to just gaming that specific game. And as I got older... That desire kind of wore off a little bit for me. The way I looked at video games for a long time, kind of up till recently actually, is I, I thought it was a waste of time. You know, you're sitting there pressing buttons, staring at a screen. That's kind of what my mind portrayed that act as I got older. And that's not a knock on video games here. That's just That's just how my mind kind of started to look at the situation. As a kid, you don't care as much because you're just being occupied. You're just being entertained. It's no different than watching TV. But as I'm getting older, I'm starting to see how some of these things you do might not always be the best use of time. That's always been known since the dawn of time. But I'm starting to actually digest that and understand the meaning behind that. And in, in return, my heart is actually starting to feel that when I indulge in the same habits that used to jive well with me, but do not anymore. But it was fun. Lots of fun. I have some of my greatest memories are through video games. I think we all have that kind of sense of nostalgia. You know, if you're playing Super Mario 64 or Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, the old N64 console. I have nothing but good memories when I think of old consoles that I still have today even. PS2, N64, Xbox. These are all essentially memory boxes of our, of our past, of our childhood in this little device. And I find myself sometimes even going online on YouTube and even typing up some old gameplay walkthroughs of games that I have played in the past, but I haven't played them since I was a kid. And I find that as like a form of therapy for me, to be honest with you. It's, a, it's an escape. I don't necessarily want to play those games again, but I want to watch somebody else play them. In fact, I get much more satisfaction watching somebody else play those games because they play it 
to like a hundred percent and like at no fault they they play it all the way through the right way they hardly they don't even die if there's like dying in that game they don't die they fulfill every task at hand like they beat the game 100 percent completely and it's quite satisfying to watch because that's better than i could have ever done but the point is like with video games there's a sense of nostalgia to it there's somebody has a reason it doesn't matter if if you were a hardcore gamer or not everybody has a, a reason to like video games and you don't have to be a addicted video game player to understand that you don't i swear man i've played every rpg game in the book and I, and I thank my grandpa for that because he was always a hardcore computer guy and every wednesday after school this was back in elementary school my grandma and grandpa would pick us up me and my sister from our school and we would go over to our grandparents house on wednesdays because my parents worked late and when i was over there my grandpa had always the latest video game console he had the n64 he had the gamecube he had the playstation 1 playstation 2 etc etc like he literally had every console like for the respective time so i got exposed to some pretty cool technology at a young age you might say that was for the worse because you know when you when you're exposed to those kind of habits and when you're young can carry over into adulthood but to be honest with you I had it in moderation, you know, that's why I went there on Wednesdays too, you know, it, it was all spaced out, you know, but it was always an adventure when I went to my grandpa's house, because he had some new video game to show me, and he was particularly into those RPGs, you know, those those quest-giving adventure games, usually set in like medieval times, or like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons kind of stuff. But the mind has the power to go somewhere when you're triggered by something, that's connected to your past. And for me, video games are huge for that. And even like songs within video games. It just pulls at the heartstrings and it makes you kind of want to revisit those things again. And I guess I can credit that to, you know, fast forwarding to today. When you're in a moment now where you don't have anything to do. You have nothing but time on your hands. You're sick at home. You can't go anywhere. So some of those old feelings from when you were a kid, from your past, some of those old habits that you used to do to occupy your time, picking up a controller, playing a video game, kind of reemerge in some way. So that's kind of what I did recently. I picked up my controller and I started playing this game called Mass Effect. I'm sure lots of you know that game. It's a great game. Me being a big storyteller, man, I, I absolutely love a great plot line and mass effect is a million times the best when it comes to creating a story and dishing out a plot and having all these different scenarios to choose from like wow talk about hard choices though i could not make a choice if it saved myself you know like i i'm i've never been one to to decide something right on the spot there and when you have lives on the line in a video game because your decision is impacting other people's lives, like, 
that's why you take it into perspective in real life. You know, you have a video game like Mass Effect. Every choice you make affects the sequence of the game. Every choice you make could potentially affect the lives of those around you and even, like, kill others because of your choices. That's just, that's just fantasy. But there could be real life to that in, in today's world. Like, if you're a leader of a country or a military leader fighting... I, I could never be that general. I could never be that sergeant. I'm not that kind of leader to say, hey, you go there, you go there, and hope for the best. And, you know, that could mean someone's life in the line. I've just never been that type of person to be strong enough to make those choices. I can't do that. It really takes a strong will for someone to take the burden of, of choice and roll with it. Somebody has to make the choice at the end of the day. But that's also a reflection of how different some of us are. It takes a special kind of breed of person to, to be very decisive in pressured situations. I'm not one of those people. I need time. I gotta think. Here's something interesting, but kind of disturbing in a way. Playing video games that involve killing. Not just like a monster or something like that. I'm talking like actual human beings. Your character is killing other people. Take GTA, for example. GTA 5. All the Grand Theft Auto games we played as kids. You got a lot of free roam in that game to do whatever you want, including murdering people. As a kid, man... Well, first of all, I was never actually allowed to play GTA as a kid. My parents, if they caught me with it, they would take it away from me. But, like the sneaky, conniving kid I was, me and my buddies found a way to kind of sneak it into my house sometimes and play it and kind of watch for my parents at the door to see if they were coming around the corner. Because if they would have saw us playing it, they would have taken it away. And they made it clear, you can't play that game. But we still did. Now, I had my head screwed on straight. I had good parents to tell me right and wrong and when I'm playing that game as a kid I think it's like the coolest thing in the world to be able to have all this freedom to just do what you want on the streets steal a car you know hit a hooker who's just walking on the street trying to hustle you for money and this is in the, the GTA video game by the way <laughs> Like, all these, like, pretty crazy things and, and, and quite uh, grotesque things to be exposed to as a kid. But as a kid, you're just like, whoa, man, this is insane. You're drawn to it still. Humans are naturally drawn to chaos. That's just a fact. But as I get older, as I progress and I watch the same thing or I play, try to play the same kind of game, that involves doing these evil things, these evil acts that your character does in-game, it doesn't sit right with me anymore as an adult. Perhaps that's just a mark of maturity and growth and development as an, as an individual and a human being who has compassion. The point I'm trying to make here is that external factors can desensitize you to certain things if you do it long enough. 
And as a kid with a mind like a sponge, you absorb those things over time. And some things more powerful than the other will shape you in more ways than one as you grow older. But one thing that I do notice, a trend, something that especially has been prominent in me, is that humanity is what always finds a way to dig deep into your roots of your heart and to bring you back down to earth. When I was exposed to, to, to horror movies as a kid or violent video games, yeah, I, I got desensitized to it over time because I played it so much. But as I get older, as I get more wiser, humanity always grounds me, no matter what. I know my true origins, and while I accept the things that I'm shown in entertainment as face value, I take it for what it is. There's a lot of garbage out there, a lot of evil things out there that are portrayed. But my brain comprehends that, understands that, accepts that, and moves on. And keeps that away from my actual soul. Because that is what needs to be protected. And that's kind of a, an interesting thing because, you know, th there's obviously an argument out there like, you know, should, should children be playing violent video games? I don't think they should. I, I really don't. I think it's... I think it's meant for when they say rated M for mature, 17 plus, like, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, you know, that's, that's for a reason. But at the same time, though, I, I was exposed to these type of games at a young, younger age as well, which is proof that, okay, look, you can still be at a point in your life, even at a young age, where you can differentiate the fact that, hey, this is just a video game. This is not true reality. I don't need to actually absorb this and take this with me. I can just look at it, see it for what it is, move on from it, and become my own person still focusing on the good things. And that comes with good parenting as well, which I had great parenting. Parenting is huge. And that's something I'm going to take very seriously when I become a parent in the future. And I guess the conclusion of this debate is that video games are exactly that. Video games. They're fantasy. They can't be taken too literally. Should children be able to or at least have access to violent video games? Me personally, I don't think so. Sometimes fantasy has more of an influence than actual reality. And as a result, our judgment can get clouded. We can be too obsessed with what, what could happen or, or theoretical things that could happen. And in this case, you're focusing on violent video games producing violent people in real life. It's a legitimate concern. But at the same time, we have to accept things as face value. Video games are video games, and kids will be kids. That, like lots of things, must be monitored, must be checked on. Does the world have to be purged of violent video games to protect children? No. Because as I alluded to earlier, when I was a kid, even when I wasn't allowed to play those games, I still found a way to get them. That's the ironic part about it.
kids are still going to play those games even when they're told they're not allowed to. So what's the solution? There really isn't any. Other than just monitoring that, that consumption. And I guess ingraining it in younger people. The idea of self-awareness. Even though they might not be capable of it yet, at least planting the bug. So it can marinate over time and they can actually consciously start to develop their self-awareness. And with graphic violent video games, knowing and understanding why violence is wrong is just as important as knowing violence is wrong. Understanding those two meanings is going to really go a long way in creating a mature person eventually. But at the end of the day, Moral of the story here, don't read too much into fantasy, and be aware of what you're indulging in. And self-awareness is the key as well. As you get older, you need to find it within yourself. You need to be able to comprehend things and understand that self-awareness is what's going to separate you from reality and fantasy. How self-aware can you become to recognize good and bad? To me, that's a huge defining feature between good and evil is self-awareness. The mind's powerful, man. Yes, we have to be careful what we put into it. It's really hard to account for that when you're a child because you're just being a kid. You're trying new things. You're exploring so many different avenues. You're, you're just doing things. You're just being a kid. And a lot of the times... We don't necessarily realize all the bad things we really were exposed to. I guess the point of this whole conversation is that, you know, don't ever doubt the power of your own spirit. Because no matter what you're exposed to, you can overcome. You can find your answers. You can seek your truth. And the truth being that we are all good people. We just need to embrace good more <laughs> essentially i know it's tempting to watch those true crime stories late at night and get into the mind of a serial killer and see what it's all about i know i watch those shows too the mystery side of things is so fascinating but again goes back to what we said earlier you know humans are just drawn to to dark energy but that doesn't have to de define us or shape who you are. It doesn't have to lead you down a dark path. Take everything in moderation. Anyways, that's all I got for you guys today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you like Shadow of the Glass, be sure to subscribe to us on all streaming platforms and on our YouTube channel. We've got more visuals coming your way of our episodes, so if you enjoy seeing the faces of me and our guests, uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Thanks again, everybody. I'm your host, Zane Tomich. This is Shire the Glass. We'll see you again next time.